First uh, Samuel chapter eighteen. First Samuel. Do we? Maybe I should speak today. I just. First Samuel chapter eighteen, verses one through nine. In the name of the Lord. Okay, verses one. Now when he. Okay, so we're talking about Jonathan, Saul's son, who was. They had a bromance. They were best buddies with David. So Saul is talking with his son here. And Samuel the prophet is is relaying this scripturally. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved David like he'd give his life for him. They're they're best friends, best buddies. They're like blood brothers. You know, remember the old like pinky, pinky, blood covenant I don't know what kids did blood brothers so Saul his dad took him that day Saul was king you know and uh, took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore and then Jonathan and David made a covenant together because he loved him as his own so he made a covenant or contract or agreement with David and it says so Jonathan's part of the kingship here it says Jonathan took off his robe it's like royalty and that was on him and he gave it to David and with his armor he took it off and his sword and his belt and he gave him all his stuff that was a sign that he was delegating who would be next guess who didn't like that Saul because he was the man and here his own son is prophetically proclaiming the new king David though he was yet proclaimed by the world you know you can be proclaimed by God to be something even though the world is still catching up to find out later you know, everything good you ever turned out to do in your life, God was already planning for, for it to work out that way before the world gave you credibility for it. Can I just preach to that? It'll always be that way. So if you wait on them, oh, that's coming. I can't get ahead of my sermon here. If you wait on them, they'll never give you what you need to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. So anyway, chapter uh, verse 4, it says, Jonathan took off his robe. He gave him all his stuff. So David went out wherever, wherever Saul sent him because he worked for Saul in the army and he behaved wisely. He did what Saul said and Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened. <laughs> uh, I hope I don't mess this up. I got to focus. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out, all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing. I say rapping. I don't know why. I'm from Chesterfield, but I, I like rap, and, and, and I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm a gangster. And, 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 and with salt, tambourines, with joy, and musical instruments. And it says, so the women sang as they danced, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Didn't you know that? Guys, come on. You're looking at me during headlights. That's what they did. Saul, Saul has slain his thousands and David slain ten thousands. Okay. I don't know that's what they did. It just was cool. And that's, that's just what I heard in my brain because I heard it that way. And obviously, if you hear it some way, it's the way it should be. It doesn't matter if it's true. It's whatever you want. Just kidding. You want to make it what it is, not what it feels like it should be? Anyway. They were bragging about all the thousands that David had took out and Saul had only taken out a few thousands. David had taken out 10,000s and 10,000s, Jen. So mm, this was not settling well as Saul heard it. Because in verse 8, he says, Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David 10,000s, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? That's all it left. You know, he just spoke it, and 
into existence. He just claimed it right there. Well, what more is there left for David to take except my kingdom? As Saul was predicting, I mean, Samuel was predicting as well. Remember, Samuel was the one who anointed the youngest and most good-looking and, what do they say, rudder? Rudder? He was ruddy. Yeah, ruddy. See, my grammar. Thank you, Allison. He was so ruddy and good-looking. Remember, this is the one that Samuel also professed to Jesse who would be king when he was just a little sheep slayer, sheep herder. So it's coming to fruition. So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul was not happy about this. He wanted to, what he kept doing is he kept putting David in war, and, uh, but David didn't die. So then he was like, okay, I'm going to try again. I'll keep, I'll keep sticking David in positions that the world can take him out. But what God touches, the world can't take out. It can't, it can't take out a calling. It can't take out an anointing on the youngest of Jesse because God called him to be king. And I'll get to why in a minute. The title of this message is Comparison Crossroads. Comparison Crossroads. Look to your neighbor and say, oh, I really like that shirt. I got to have it. Well, it might be weird, not, you know, if it crossed, you know what I'm saying. I really like that shirt. I got to have it. Comparison Crossroads. You know we compare, right? Like, is it normal? Do anybody else compare in here when they when they do things? They compare. I'm getting some heads. That's good. Okay, we got some we got some double hand emojis. I like it. Do we do emojis in church? Man, I'm stuck in social media. Everything's emojis. Brain fried. I see this. You know, you know, it's bad when you start speaking in emojis, Christine. That's a lot of emojiing. Anyway, we live in this culture of comparison and it's it's like it's normal. It's normal. But is it good? Well, depends. See, I think it's fair to say we live in a competitive culture. Yeah, we do. And there is a pace to it you have to keep, to maintain, to compete, sustain, survive. You have to keep a pace with the culture. It's, they call it the rat race. The pace at which we're willing to work in a job, the pace at which we're willing to work hard in school, how we treat people, etc. Comparison is a natural point of reference. We live by, gauge our progress as human beings by, it's natural. But however, there's a difference between being a reference and being the reason. There's a difference between being a reference of comparison and being the reason to do something. Our direction is two different things depending on which one of those we're applying to our comparison. And one can be healthy and one can be toxic poison because we live in this type of world. It's more crucial that we pay attention to our motives behind our comparison. Because if our motive becomes wrong, we can start walking down the wrong path because of comparison. So my question today is, are you living based on the worth that someone else has determined for you or by the purpose God has instilled in your life? Are you comparing to them and that's your, that's your point of reference to do anything in your day? Or you're not worried about them or maybe they got a good reference. You, I want to be like them. That's cool. I like that. But I got a plan with God. I got that. Like, which one are you? And the difference is really like, this is a two-way conversation. There's, there's the people who, who are envious of the others in comparison, and then there's the people who like to put it out so they can be compared to because it's really a self, a self thing. Okay? So there's, there's, there's motivation, and then there's manipulation. There's motivated, and there's manipulative. There's a difference. Manipulative is like, I'm going to finagle a way to present a certain thing 
so that you think different of me than what's true. Like when I show all the photos of church, but I don't show the empty seats, you know. It's all about, that's a joke, guys. That's, a joke. that's different. It's for the Lord. That's, 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 that's to motivate people. But healthy competition is a good thing. And it feels creative. They call it springboarding. When you want to grow something, you want good people around you, and you want to springboard ideas. That's how you create new ideas. You know there's no bad ideas except the ones that nobody ever mentions. So failure is not really a thing unless nobody talks and nobody listens. So that's a good thing. And there's, there's, a, there's a good competitive um, thing you can create there that's motivating to aspire to be anything. And that's what you want. You know, iron sharpens iron. That's what you want. But Saul didn't see it like that. Saul and, and so many other people in the Bible, the Jews didn't see it that way with Jesus. They saw him as a threat. They saw him as a threat to their establishment. The Romans saw it as a threat to their kingdom and their ruling, their law, their everything. They were worried about the government situation because of Jesus. They weren't really thinking spiritually. They were thinking selfishly. And so just like, and this is even part of the scripture, but just like the way they manipulated Christ into condemnation for death, so is Saul now trying to manipulate David into condemnation for death when David has nothing done nothing but be completely loyal to Saul. So that's not right. That's not fair. And today, that world is called social media. Who's on social media? Do I have more than four limbs? It's a necessary evil, right? It's a good and a bad thing. It depends. It depends what it's being used for, how it's being used. It can build great awareness. It can be a great source of news and tr truth sometimes. Truth, <laughs> Clint, I know you're liking that one. Clint's my man there. Um, we can, you know, we can share our family photos on our trip after we put the nice filter on them because we want them to think the water is extra blue, even though it was the Lake of the Ozarks. We didn't know that the Lake of the Ozarks, Jen, could look like the Bahamas. Thank you, Instagram, for your filters because we're, we're keeping it real. We're keeping it real, Ben. We keep it real. Michelle, I didn't like the 12 pictures we took of me, you, and the kids because I didn't like the way, I didn't like that side of my face. Can we, can we switch it to this one? Even though none of you are smiling, but I look okay in that one. Let's share that one. I'm the pastor. It's a joke. It's a joke, people. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even intentional. But after a while, it can, it can grow this um, self-manipulative habit of trying to draw something up because really we're lacking something here. We're lacking, we feel threatened in some way. And is it, and not always, but is it a comparison sometimes? I would say so. I mean, social media is comparison, comparison. It's what it is. So you have to be careful. I, 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 I study and watch every preacher, every pastor, every church. And if I'm not careful, oh, well, they got a new building and they're only so, so and they got this and they got, I can get like that. I'm like, well, this is not, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. Discover God's perfect plan for you. Saul, come to church. Discover God's perfect plan for you, Saul. Quit worrying about David, you know? And so, so I mean, I've done it. I think everybody does it. Like my flesh says, well, it's not fair. It's not right. But then, then God speaks and says, it's not about you. It's not about what you think. It's about what I ordained to be your purpose, to be fulfilled. And that's all that really matters because that's what you want to happen because that's actually what's best for you. Even though you think the thing quicker is good for you, and you think if you have what they have, you'll be happier, 
but you won't. That takes time to figure that out, and you still fall for that trap. I remember me and Michelle, when we, we weren't even married yet, and we went down to the lake one time. We, we used to go with my mom and dad, and um, they were building these houses off Highway 70. Now it's just blown up. But back then, Clint, there was nothing. And they're building these new homes off Highway 70, kind of like Wentzville, Wright City. And I remember driving back, or maybe it was on the way there, and we drove in. We, we hadn't, well, we weren't, we weren't engaged or anything. We, maybe we were engaged. And there were this little neighborhood, brand new houses. And when we saw the houses, we drove in there, and we're like, man, can you imagine what it would be like to have a house like that? Like, I mean, they were teeny tiny, but brand new, perfect. Teeny's good, less to take care of. They were teeny tiny, perfect. Like, like they, were, they were amazing to us. What we didn't do is go, well, somebody else is getting that. Why can't we have it? We didn't do that. We said, can you imagine if we work hard and we go after it and we, we stay faithful to, 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 to God and really believe for the best and give, give life our best, we could have a house? Like with a like a door and like like you know she lived in an apartment I lived in mommy and daddy's basement broke musician and so like so like you know like that was the, the American dream man and so we we didn't look at it in a manipulative way or an unfair way we looked at it at a, as a motivation to say this is what you can have this is what you can have if you work hard. I wrote a paper on my dad. This is totally a side thing. When I was a kid, I wrote a paper called the American Dream. And my dad grew up with nothing, nothing in the worst of worst places. And he worked hard. And I'll never forget that, that he, he worked. And I'm not saying every situation is the same. But what I'm saying is he taught us that if you work hard and you go at it with pure intentions, God will open the doors even when the world shuts them. And that's totally true. No one's going to stop you from progressing in God's purpose over your life except you because you doubt. You doubt. So don't doubt and don't be manipulative. Be motivated. It's the American dream. It's alive. And you can have that too, Saul. You already have it, Saul. Count your blessings, Saul. Quit worrying about David, Saul, because you got more than you can handle. You know how many DVDs you haven't opened, Saul? Come on, Saul. Relax. Go have a mocha, Saul. This is a good one right here. I hope this doesn't hurt too much. It would never happen here in this church. But if someone succeeding bothers you, that's a problem. That's a problem. If someone else succeeding bothers you and you get irritated, I mean, I've, I've done it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, can't face myself because that one turns too. If that bothers you, that's a problem. That's manipulative. You see, that's not motivated. That's manipulative. It's not healthy no more. Now it's strife. Now it's envy. Now it's toxic. Now it's not healthy to me, Jen, because I'm starting to crumble as a person and become someone different than God wanted me to be because of somebody else succeeding. Real love lifts people up. I, I know, I know there's so many people in here, and whenever any of them succeeds, we lift each other up. When Nate gets a victory in something, we lift him up. When Mike gets a victory in something, Christine, we lift him up. When Jen gets a victory, we lift them up because we want to see them win. We want to see them win. Did you know you can't win if your neighbor doesn't and you're in something together? You can't be a house divided. So we want to win. And so what's so cool about our church, because we're already winning, you know, like if we take that into the world, what will people think? 
Well, they didn't judge me, and they, didn't, they were actually glad that I did well, and they wanted me to get the promotion, and they wanted me to do well, and they wanted to see the best that God had in store for me. I'm not familiar with that because I live in a culture that's all about me, me, me. And so, so I'm not used to even feeling love. I'm used to being cursed for sharing the news. But God's children are different. They don't curse it. They bless it. They bless their enemies. Even when they hate on you, you're supposed to bless and love your enemies. That's what Jesus said. Bless those who curse you. It's hard to do. Even in the car, he says. You're not supposed to just bless them when you're face to face. You're supposed to do it in the car when they cut you off. Oh, snap. Been there years and years ago. Years ago. But are you motivated or triggered by manipulation? Does anybody else hear crickets? It's better than um, Finding Nemo that time. We were praying and Finding Nemo under the sea or something like that. No, no devil. Anyway, I can deal with the crickets. It's nice. It's like a spa clock. But what happens is when we start turning in our motivation into a manipulative self thing, we become envious. And guess what we start doing? We start dogging the person. To them? No. To someone else. You know what the Bible calls that? Gossip. Tailbearers. Anybody know what a tailbearer is? It's a gossip. That's what the Bible calls a gossip. So that's what we do. We start telling everybody why they just, can you believe she has that boyfriend? And can you believe that she just got that new ring and all these things? And can you believe he did this? And can you believe he looks that good? He's got a six pack and you don't, can you believe, can you believe like he's dedicated and he just lives in the gym? I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> that was when it used to get me. I used to get really bothered. It's going to never look like them. But I had to get real with myself and say, you know what? They dedicate more time to it. It's not that I'm not capable. It's just what they do. But guess what? I got gifts too. I don't need to worry about what they have. That's their gift. And that's a good thing. So when you have that mental shift in your brain, it's called becoming wise, discerning, uh, sanctification, all these things. You're growing in your understanding of how God works with people and through you and for you. And changes you, you won't turn into Saul. Because what happened to Saul is he got the it's not fair syndrome. It's not fair. You start doing this long enough, you'll start saying it's not fair. And we'll start telling ourselves why it's not fair. Well, we're the middle child. Let's do something about it. It's not fair. Quit crippling yourself because of an excuse for somebody else that did something to you. Do something about it. You don't want to do that? Then go, go do something. You have a choice. Well, well, you know, uh, I have a situation. Okay, understandably. But can you say God cannot bless the situation? Do you believe God? That God can make it better? Do you believe God will if you seek diligently after God's own heart? Like, you know who did that? David. But we want the prize of David without being David and going after God's own heart. So it's easier to stay Saul and say it's, it's just not fair. And so we get that it's not fair. And it gets ugly. It gets so ugly. Back to social media. Has it not gotten ugly? Like there's some really good conversations happen right now on social media. And there's also some nasty, ugly ones. There's both. There's both. It can be good and it can be bad. It just There's a line you got to draw. It can be good. It can be bad. Is it getting ugly? Is it changing the course of what I in intended for it to do? Is my mission shifting because it got ugly? 
because I got caught up in the emotion of it and I forget I forgot what I was what I was doing anyway because I was angry. That's not what we want. The best way to stay calculated is to stay focused. When something stirs you, stirs you, you got to focus. Because if you let your emotion take over, you don't know what can happen. It can get ugly. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Well, they had a good upbringing. It's not fair. Well, this, yes, you know what? It's not fair, but it's not about being fair. It's about overcoming adversity. It's about overcoming it because this part may not be fair in comparison to what your situation, but you got something they don't. So now it's not fair the other direction. That can go all across the, the lines here. So you can't compare, and you got to get to a point where you're at a comparison's crossroads. Because my worth is not based on somebody else's success story. My worth is not based on somebody else's success story. Oh, this is the best. Does anybody ever have this happen? Like, we can get close enough to keep picking parts out of the good thing that we're envious of, but we're not supporting them. We don't want them to know about it. I think they call that unfollow on Facebook. I don't want to defriend them. What would they think of me? But I don't want to see what they're doing. And if I do, I can just creep over there. Why does Pastor Jeff sound like so, so experienced in this subject? So, so I can just creep over there and I can pull out the good nuggets, but then I can create it as my own. And, and then I can do what they're doing. And I can put out a video too. And I can, I, can, I can do something. And I can get a nice microphone. And I can buy this. And I can do all these things. But where are they in the conversation? Guess where they are? They're crickets in the back of the theater. Okay? Why are you in the valley when we're climbing up the mountain? Who's getting on the mountain? They'll keep telling you why you should stay in the valley. Well, it's really steep. You, there's a storm coming. You sure you got enough tents, David? I think you should just stay in the valley with me. Why he's going, why he's going, Google, how do I climb the mountain? How do I climb the mountain on the side? I'm Googling how to climb the mountain. See, that's not a good thing. That's not healthy. That's keeping them close enough to rob them of what you wish you had instead of going and doing your own thing. Because you have a thing God called you to do. Discover God's perfect plan made just for you. I can't preach it enough. That's why it is our vision statement. Because it's everything. It's everything. And it, it's, it's not, I'm not even, I know this is kind of humorous, this whole conversation, but it's not even intentional by most of us. It's subconscious. We do it and we don't even know it. Man, if I had a tape recorder and playing back some of the stuff I've said, I, I'd go, wow, I didn't know I said that, Jen. I would never say that. Oh, yeah, bleep. You know, like maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we need to check ourselves once in a while. Hypothetically. It could be Subconscious. And envy can take over what was motivating and make it manipulative. So how do we fix it? Purpose. God's purpose. God's purpose fixes it. God's purpose gets you there. What they have doesn't. In fact, what they have may stop you from getting there. Because it's getting ugly because you're worried about them and God's saying, I'm over here. I'm calling you over here. You step by step. You're not stepping. You're worrying. You know, the devil, if he can get you to dwell long enough on what somebody else has done or the past or all these things, you know what you quit doing? Moving forward for God. That's what you quit doing. So you have to make a conscious decision and say, I'm not going to let it hold me back. It's foolishness. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. I'm going to go after what God has. And anybody that blesses my, my, my brethren or my sisters, my sistren, is that a word? My brothers and sisters in the Lord, I'm going to lift them up because I'm at a comparison crossroads. 
I'm at a comparison crossroads and purpose gets you there. See you at the crossroads so you won't be lonely. See, anybody? See you at the crossroads so you won't be lonely. You know the next line? And I'm going to miss everybody. And I'm going to miss everybody. Anybody know? Bone thugs, guys. Come on. I mean, what is going on? I'm going to miss everybody because I'm not going to be worried about y'all. Because I'm following God. And that's how we all should be at the comparison crossroads. I'm going to miss everybody unless you're with me because I'm not going to worry about you. I'm not going to worry about you. I'm not going to worry about it. That's a revelation God has to give you. Because, man, it makes you ugly. You don't even know it. It can make us ugly. Purpose gets you there. I've hit a crossroads. Fruit comes from God's purpose, not from stealing fruit out of another garden. That's how fruit comes. If y'all could stand this morning as we close. I was designed to be fruitful, but based on God's plan over my life. Remember, he says, he says, he's the vine, we are the branches. Like, if we're not in the tree, we won't produce fruit. We'll wither and die. Branches cast aside. So we have to be in something that produces fruit to produce fruit. And if we're trying to pluck it off of another tree, we're not in that root. Okay? So we'll never produce fruit that lasts that's robbed from someone else's tree. We'll never do it. And Saul was trying to end a mission that God created. So he was a fool. And we know what happened. We know what happened. He had a purpose, and you have a purpose, so quit worrying about the others. Quit worrying about, what if I don't get this by the time I'm 30? What if I don't have this many kids by the time I'm such and such? What if my wife don't say these things to me, and then you start preaching to yourself completely made-up scenarios because, because it's not exactly what you said it should be, and that's not actually what it even was, but your mind can twist it. You know, like, what, why do I have to be fulfilled by somebody else? You don't, because you won't. You'll be, you'll be fulfilled by the calling of your life. It's the only way you get there, and that's purpose. My worth is not comparable to someone else's success story. And their success story might be not a success story for you. If you try to take it right now, if you try to take their success story right now, you might, you might crash and burn with it because it was not meant for you. And you're not, you're not ready to handle that. And maybe you are, but God had something different. And maybe it's so much different than what you even think it's going to be. You don't, you don't even know what you're asking for. You don't know what you're asking for. You don't know what goes behind it. You don't know what goes behind it. So when it looks good to pluck it off the shelf of the spiritual Amazon and you think, I'm going to take it, that's what I want, maybe you don't know what you're asking for because you're, you don't want that because maybe you don't know what comes along with that and God has to prune you and season you so you can handle that. And if you took it now, you're going to waste the provision he gave you. Amen. Your plan from God. That's how it works. God needs your gifts. God needs your gifts so he can pull out your potential. Without your gift, you can't exercise your potential. Good leaders pull potential out of people. They don't boss them around. It takes someone to believe, someone to recognize, someone to motivate, and then someone to say, yes, I can do that. Let them try it, pull it out, and then God says, there you go. Let me give the increase. That's how you do it. That's how it grows. You've got, everybody say this together. Say, I've got my own success story. One more time, I've got, I've got my own 
success story, Brooklyn. It's your own success story, Clint. It's your own success story. It's nobody else's, and no one can take it from you if they tried, because God meant it to be just for you. So don't forget that. And I want to end with one little quick story before we we praise and worship. Um, It's the simple things that actually bring the joy. Things you can't compare if you wanted to. You know, the things money can't buy, like all those things. And the other night, I was like having a rough day. And Chloe, you know, you know when the Don, when they're little, they don't see, they don't see your your issues. But they get a little older and they start picking up on it. And then you're like, they see that I'm hurting, or they see that I'm upset about something, or they see that I'm happy. Like they start Paul parroting it. And, and I was I was bothered by something. It was really stupid. And and I was I was tired and I was upset and I was I was doing something and I said, I'm just gonna go to sleep, you know. And she says, Night dad, I hope you sleep good. And it sounds, it sounds silly, right? But she thought, hey, Dad, I hope you sleep good. She, she saw something I needed, and I didn't think she could see it. So that actually bothered me because, I got, okay, I got to smile more. And um, I'm just saying, those are the things that actually bring fulfillment, not the things you compare that somebody else has on social media or on the surface because that's surface level stuff that has no root to begin with the real thing is in the dirt with the people that you're walking through the trenches with the real the real joy is the ones that seen you suffer and hug you that love you when you're down that lift you when you're hurt that want you to they rekindle the fire that, that want you to they want you to remember what God has they're there to lift you up and that's what we do to each other we lift each other up let's pray God we're so thankful that we get to be in a house that can exalt your name freely without persecution without death without being hung upside down on a cross without being fed to lions God like all the apostles like we don't have to face that we have a free gift and a privilege to worship you in this house today God and so when we get so complacent and so so superficial God that we forget what we have we know it can be dangerous so God we pray that we we get rid of that Saul mindset and we remember what you did to David that you can do that to us that we want to be after your own heart God we don't want to be after our neighbor we don't want to covet our neighbor we don't want to cover covet what they have we want to go after what you have for us because that's the only thing that will last that's the only thing that will take away the stress that's the only thing that will take away the pain. That's the only thing that can heal me. And so God, we ask for conscious reminder as your church so that we can witness this right to the world so that our children's children don't go, well, they said it wrong. And so now I'm damaged. Let us speak it right, God. Let us speak it anointed, God. Let us speak it according to your word and nothing else. Because if we are to pass it along wrong, God, we corrupt the next generation. And I can't live like that. And we can't live like that. God, so keep us straight. Make us make us corrected when we need it. Let us be open to criticism when it comes from you. Because that's how we get better. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.